0: Hello there, Nicola Barden here from q 02s Weekend Buzz. I hope you are all doing really well. And thank you so, so much for Press and Play today to listen to this episode. Before I let you listen to the whole thing, I just have a little bit of news for you. So if you're a fan of the Weekend Buzz or this is the first time you've ever listened to it, amazing and thank you and scroll back. We've got over 70 episodes there. So there's some great chats for you to listen to from the likes of the cast of SVU, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Grey's Anatomy, loads of stuff, some amazing singers, reality stars, great in-depth conversations for you to enjoy and I know that's what you're here for so that's why I have to tell you my news I have rebranded the show and it is now strictly podcast so it's no longer in radio it is just podcast and it goes under the name tis yourself so do come and find us we're on um, Instagram and Twitter and obviously all the places that you're listening to podcasts so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google CastBox good pods Spotify we are there I am there with my over 50 guests, fantastic guests. You're going to love some of them. They're absolutely amazing. So we've got some of the cast from like Games of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Yes, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? I have some amazing singers like Shane Ward and Matt Cardell are there. We have the actor Jerry O'Connell, who has some surprising roots to Ireland, you won't believe. We have... The likes of Tom Lenk from Buffy, who played Andrew. And if you're Irish, you'll know the names James Patrice, Trisha's Transformation, Tommy Fleming, the Nolan family. There's loads and loads of stuff in there. We've Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks. We've got some cast of EastEnders. So there's a real mix of Irish, UK, US guests, and we're just adding to them every single day. We're getting some new guests. Season four is just about to be launched. So come and join me. I'm over here waiting for you to discover me. That's Tis yourself with me, Nicola Barden. Hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
0: Buzz with Nicola Bard, You're very welcome back to The Weekend Buzz here on Dublin's Q102. Uh, Nicola here with you for the next little while. Now my next guest is, well look at this stage, he's one of Ireland's most known actors, most loved. He has just wrote a book, it's called Mrs Cowan's Boy. It's Rory Cowan. If you haven't got a copy, it is out there now, it's in Easons and Dubray and all the different bookshops. All about his life um, from growing up, from you know, coming out to Mrs. Brown's Boys that made him famous to where he is now, why he left the show and of course about his mum who passed away last year. And fans of Rory will know that he did leave Mrs. Brown's Boys so that he could spend some time with his mum. So he has now dedicated the book to her because it's named Mrs. Cowan's Boy. And he is live in studio with me this morning to tell us all about the book what's inside, what secrets is going to unveil. Rory is here at me in studio today. How are you?
1: I'm wonderful. How are you?
0: I'm good. You look really well for someone who is quite tired from <laughs> traveling all
1: over the country. I'm shattered, but I'm having a great time yes. going down book signings and doing interviews and meeting people. It's, it, it is good. It's very condensed in a short period of time. You've got to do yeah. all that you can and then it'll stop. Then it'll be fine. So where, you have to do it. I've done, done it before. I have history because I used to do it with Brendan O'Carroll and we used to do America where you do 22 cities. In 30 days, Uh and so you wouldn't start in Seattle and end up in New York, and that was it. So I'm used to it.
0: So now you're just going from here to Cork and Ennis. Ennis
1: uh, I was down in Kildare uh, last week doing the Easton's had a conference for all their buyers and their managers. They've 60 mm. shops in Ireland, so it's a good crowd there. And I hung around to meet all them afterwards as well. So it's full on, like it's a long day, but I mean, you'd have to do it, like I mean, and I I enjoy it, so it's good.
0: I suppose you're, while you're, it's great to get your book out there, it's also great to see who's buying it.
1: It is, and it's lovely to see people who's like from bookshops, and they say, "Oh, we have your book in, and oh. it's racked out, and they show you pictures of it." And I can like, it's my first book, so yeah. I get, I still, I'm still at the stage where I'm getting a huge thrill when yeah. I see my book in a bookshop. I really am, <laughs> I, and I hope I never lose that. Oh no,
0: that's have you been I to really the airport do. yet and seen it
1: in the? Air- I have been out at the airport. It's number three in the W. H. Smiths charts oh, out Lord there, it. and it was deal of the week out there so until today it is um 1199 or something like that in dublin airport and i went out and while i was signing books um, people were coming up to asking for books and um, they have it all racked out and i walked into the airport and it's i'd be going there in a few in a few weeks anyway i'm going over to paris and to see my book racked out yeah. in the thing it's like oh my god that's me that's my book it's <laughs> yeah. a huge thrill there's, there's
0: my face there's yeah, my a, name
1: no, it's a huge thrill and i hope i never become immune to that I hope not I don't think I will do
0: you, what, what, when, like, I'm sure for years people have been asking you to do books but what was the deciding moment that you kind of went right I'm going to do this
1: uh, when Gil the publishers came to me I had been from my mother had dementia and she died last November and I had been trying doing interviews trying to raise awareness for uh, dementia and home care packages there's not yeah. enough home care packages so anywhere I could talk on television or radio in the press or even give, uh, give speeches at events mm. I was doing it and Gil came to me and they said we'd like you to do an autobiography but interweave it with stories about your, your relationship with your mother mm. and I thought oh I'd love that 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 sounds good but what I wanted to do when I did, I did d- dementia is a horrible illness and my mother years ago she had breast cancer that was a horrible thing because um, we were only kids at the time but I wanted to write about them, the funny instances in them because yeah. there are very funny instances in cancer and there's very funny instances mm. of things that happen in dementia um, it's not all doom and gloom and I didn't want to focus on any doom and gloom at all yeah. um, I wanted the book to be colourful I wanted it to be funny and I wanted it to like the star of the book is not me the star of that book is um, the characters that I grew up with and my mother, like when she was in the whole of her health, she was hilarious mm. and I wanted to tell all these funny stories. I didn't want any, oh poor me, mm. because I don't, I don't feel like that anyway, And or poor, poor my mother or yeah. poor anything. I wanted the funny stories in there because that's people's lives and I just wanted it to be colourful and I wanted it to, I would like the idea that people could sort of look back into like even the the gay characters in my book um there's nothing to do with uh anything except they were just characters. they were friends of mine, and yeah. the funny things that we got up to when we were out on the gay scene mm. and that 's all it is it 's not anything else, and I just wanted these fun and I think it comes across as warm and funny, and I think other people do as well because I 'm getting so much um I'm getting so many messages on uh, social media yeah. that they're saying they're in the middle of the book and they're loving it and it's very funny. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want to yeah. Gloom.
0: It's very, um, when, d- when dementia, my granny had it, and it's a disease that you very quick, it can be very easy to forget who the person was beforehand. Yeah. Uh, well, people, that happened to me. Yeah. You, you see, you're like, you're so wrapped up in it on a day to day basis that you kind of go, it's only when somebody goes and rem- takes you back, and you're yeah. like, oh, well, actually, there were- was
1: a thing that happened to me, and it was very strange, but I found it happened to a few other people as well, especially with their mothers or their fathers, um, that when the person was alive in the final stages Mm. of dementia I found it very hard I couldn't remember my mother not having dementia every time I thought of her it was in that moment of having dementia I Mm. couldn't remember the good times I couldn't remember anything and I really had to force myself to try and remember and then when I was writing this book uh it was due to be out last Christmas but I couldn't I would be up with my mother's so I left Mrs. Brown's boys to look after her, mm. to make sure she was cared for. I didn't want to be on the road if she died. I didn't want to be away from home if yeah. she died. And um I tried to just be there for whatever she needed to make sure she had it. She had carers coming in during the day so I didn't have to be there all during those hours either so that worked out well for me but it also meant I knew she was being cared for and I knew that she had her dignity and I knew that everything she needed was being looked after. But then I was supposed to come home and start writing about her and I needed a break from it so I just a fly going up a window would distract me and I yeah. said oh, I'll do that tomorrow and everything was I'll do it tomorrow <laughs> but I never and then when she died it was most bizarre because that's when I needed the good memories and they all came flooding out so I was able to write it very quickly and uh, that was the way it worked for me Yeah. and I was delighted to have those memories and it was very I was delighted I had to I had to write a book then because that's what I needed to do yeah
0: Got and you. it Helped with those memories coming back instead oh of just being yeah. like when she was in hospital, when she was that time that yeah. we got diagnosed, and because yeah. she obviously had a full life before that. But when she had an amazing life
1: before everything. that, but even the dementia in the book, um, you'll see that when she was diagnosed with it, there was hilarious things there because she would do things like she, what am I going to tell this outflow when I get in here? And this outfit was twenty years younger than, her. <laughs> and I said, no, just tell the truth, ma'am. She was a better actress than I was. Um, <laughs> she, she said, hello, Mrs Cowan, how are you? I'm perfect. i <laughs> not at a gun, I beg your pardon. And then she said, and how's the memory? Never better. Oh, I have too many memories. She says, "Oh all my I've God. just... And I started to laugh. <laughs> And then he would say to her, like, pick this up with your right hand, fold it in half, and with your left hand, place it beside the phone. She'd pick it up with her left hand, crumble it up, and just fling it over her shoulder, <laughs> and then look at me and roll her eyes as if to say, he's a fool. And I would, I was falling around the place laughing. Even though it was very sad, I knew my mother there was something seriously wrong then. Yeah. She couldn't follow simple instructions. But I was falling around the place laughing. And it wasn't a nervous laugh, it was, this is... This is this is funny. Yeah, there's and a that's spark the of things I wanted. This, but even though it was a horrible thing as well, mm. their talent, like I'm seeing full on, that my mother cannot follow a simple instruction she can't answer a simple question and the hardest one of all was when her own doctor said to her um, why are you here I don't know why I'm here he's bringing me she said pointing to me and I'm, again I'm laughing and she's going through the whole thing I, there's nothing wrong with me and I'd be laughing and then he says and who's that she says that's me son and he says what's his name and she looked at me looked at him and then just put her head down and um. I go, "Oh, ma'am just say Rory but she couldn't remember my name now she never forgot who I was but just in that moment she forgot my name. Yeah. And that was hard. Yeah, but there's very funny things in there as well so I didn't concentrate on the sad bits or the hard bits because if people are going to read a book they don't know my mother they'll have Mm -hmm. an idea of her from the book but I don't want to bring them into that side of it you know what I mean that's just too much that's too hard and anyone who is
0: going through it themselves knows the hardness they
1: do but there's
0: a bit of um, a weird guilt attached to when you start laughing at things in that moment you know
1: oh it makes you worse I laugh more
0: I laugh more I remember my granny um, you know the aircom phone man who rings it's just basically a voice note and it says you have one unread message and she used to tell me that was her boyfriend ringing and I'd be falling around and she'd be like will you answer the phone because I don't want to he's mad for me to go out and she thought she was younger and she had this boyfriend and like when we were kind of after when she passed we're sitting around and these are the things until the, the old memories came back yeah. the funny moments were what we were trying to focus yeah. on in the dementia as opposed to
1: well I just assume that everybody who knows like there's 55,000 people at the moment it's probably gone up now um, mm. that have dementia that affects like nearly 300,000 people of immediate family who have yeah. to look after them or be involved in their care and I know that they all know that dementia is all not doom it's, it's horrible and they have to that it changes their whole lives but there mm-hmm. are things in it because people with dementia they, they, their filter goes yeah. so they will say and two things <laughs> yes. that At the most inappropriate times <laughs> and at the in- most inappropriate moments and they will say the most inappropriate things and all you can do is laugh and I will, and they'll know that yeah when I'm writing about it if they read the book they'll know that and they'll probably say oh that's like my ma that's like my granny or that's like yes. my father there are things I just didn't want because we all know what the bad side of it is mm. we know what the, we know the horrible side of dementia yeah. is so I didn't need to clutter up my book with that but I wanted to show the funny side and the, still the loving side to them the people who have dementia and my, especially my mother she can be very loving and very caring and sometimes she would just say something that would just floor you I was talking to her one day and I was picking down Toby jokes, and I was trying to... Because you don't get much back, so the conversations are all one, one-sided, so you run out of things to say. So I took down Toby jokes, and I said, do you remember this one? I said, ma'am, we were in Fair and you had that. And she'd go, yes, yeah." And I picked down another one and this one. And i try and get some memory. She, Some of them she'd hold and look at and she'd smile. And then in the middle of it all, she just said, I love you, Rory. And I'm going, oh...
0: <laughs> Which the is joke not, a, but <laughs>
1: see, that's not a normal conversation either at that age for mothers to say to kids who are in their fifties. Yeah. So if, it, if, you know. if she hadn't had dementia, she wouldn't have said it. So I held on to thing and then going, oh, okay, that's And I said, yeah. I love you too. And then the two of us were sitting there with smiles, and I took down a few more Toby jokes and just continued on. Yeah as if this was a normal thing to be doing
0: normal pass a normal mention of conversation to like to leave Mrs. Brown's boys when you announced you were leaving um, obviously all the fans were like oh my god Mm -hmm. this is weird but it was a huge decision for you to make to Like in one way it was a natural thing because you're like I'm going to spend this time with my mum but to to, to decide the actual timing was that hard to kind of
1: no what happened was I was in Australia I got word my mother was dying now she was dying for four years and I got word she had days to live and I couldn't come home I was working there for 12 weeks and I couldn't get I couldn't come home because I chose to do my commitments and I couldn't leave that show now, Brendan would have been okay with me coming home, but maybe the, the insurers weren't too happy because they said, no, you can't go. If your mum dies, you can go home for a week and come back. Um, but it was just a thing to stop any actors anywhere in the world just using, I don't like this gig, I've done enough of this gig, and they say, oh, me, a family member or a loved one's not well, I'm leaving. Oh. So it was to stop that, and mm. I could understand it. But I was there in Australia in... The, it was January. Uh, I was there from January, February, March, and January is there... Height of their summer. Yeah. The weather was gorgeous, first class flights everywhere, five star hotels, picked up in fabulous cars, taken mm. to the gigs and taken away, and reaction from everybody was magnificent. Everything was perfect. And I'm saying, What the hell am I doing here? I don't want to be here. Yeah. My mother's dying on the other end of the world, the other side of the world, and I can't be and I'm here. Mm. And <coughs> When I got home moment she didn't, but I was also, I, I was getting a bit bored with the touring of Mrs. Brown's Boys. And it's not because of anything that was going on in Mrs. Brown's Boys. Or anything. I thought it was just that when they started a UK tour, they start in Glasgow mm. and then they go to Liverpool and they finish up in... Sheffield, Liverpool or sorry they go to Manchester I should say and then they finish up in Sheffield, Liverpool Belfast and Dublin and it's the same dates every time we do a UK tour and then the following year we go to Australia and it's the same venues in the same order again and I was getting bored with that yeah and um, which is understandable Then, and yeah, I was just getting bored with the, with the routine of it mm. the audiences were great and the time being on stage was great but it was just the rest of it was yeah. like here we go again I'm back here I, mean, I know in two years time exactly what to, where I'm going to be oh, I'm going to be in Sheffield on that day yeah. I'm going to be in and that's two years ahead and <clears throat> I didn't like it I got bored with that but when my mother was sick I thought it was because of my mother that I was feeling really bad really unhappy mm. so when we came home from Australia my mother didn't die and I, I was thinking oh well, that's all right now. Everything will get back to normal. She's mm-hmm. fine. And then the next tour of the UK, we were going, and I was flying home on Sunday afternoons after the matinee, and then flying back into the next city on Wednesday for the shows. And I, but very quickly, I realised no, I I'm, tired, I'm tired of this. No, I don't want mm-hmm. to be here. It's not just me, mother. It's yeah. this as well. But my mother was the main reason that she wasn't well and I just decided in Cardiff and we were only a few weeks into the tour and I decided I really don't want I can't face another year of this and then looking at next year going back to Australia I'm I'm not doing it so I just said to Brendan I want to finish up and I handed in notice I asked him what notice he needed and I had ended up then that I was to leave at the halfway through the tour in London because then we were out for the summer yeah And that was it. And I had a great time for the last few weeks that I was working there. Because you knew it was great because I knew I was finishing. Yeah. And I never regretted it for one minute. Um, I left, and I was. My priority was my mother, Mm -hmm. and then. But when I look at it, I look back. I could still. I could have stayed in Mrs. Brown's boys. I could have went on and been earning an awful lot of money and been having a wonderful life Mm. and been very successful touring with Mrs. Brown's Boys doing the same things year in, year out, doing the same routine. Since I left Mrs Brown's Boys, I was the lead in two pantos in Dublin, which were massive. I've written a book and I've got a gig in Fair City. I would have done none of those if I was still in Mrs Brown's Boys. Yeah,
0: it's amazing. So I would have
1: went round the things. I would have went. I could have stayed and done all this because nobody was asking me to leave. But I could have stayed. And no one was probably asking you for other jobs because you were Mrs Brown's Boys. And I wouldn't have. I never would have thought of Fair City as a career. I never would have thought because I I I had a full time job with Mrs Brown's Boys. But I've done these other amazing things since I left. And life has got much more interesting for me. So I've no regrets about leaving. Um, Now, I wish them well. I'm sure they wish me well (laughs) as well. Um, It's not anything like that. But I've I've absolutely no regrets about leaving. And I'm loving what I'm doing now. I'm, it's it's fantastic. And we're
0: going to talk to you about First City. We're going to take a little ad break, and then we're going to come back. And I have to hear all about First City, all the guss.
1: Oh, lovely! Because I'm loving it. I am. Lo- this is the best gig ever. I love it.
0: <laughs> well, come back after the ad break, and Rory's going to tell us a bit more about all of that. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to me and I really hope you enjoyed it. Do scroll back and see if there's anything else that you might enjoy. And before I let you go, do remember to come and find me on my new podcast, "Tis Yourself. Again, talking to celebrities, this time a lot more in depth. So there might be longer episodes there. And we're talking about what was life like before they became famous, the different alternative roads they could have went down, how life changed for them, for good and bad. And so, so, so much more. And of course, the thing that they're best known for. So come and find me, Tiz Yourself with Nicola Barden. And I really hope you'll enjoy the new episodes. They're up to date. They're brilliant. There's some great people there. And I'd love your support. So please do come find us. That's Tiz Yourself with Nicola Barden.